Good morning. Uh, we're in a series called Struggles of Jacob. Uh, Jacob had struggles. He struggled his whole life. His life was kind of characterized by struggles. He had a lot of them. And uh, for him, in the story that we're going to look at today in Genesis chapter 28, we see the, the struggle that he had where his faith became his own. Uh, have you ever thought about that? Uh, if you were raised in a Christian home, uh, I know that's a lot of us in this, in this room, you, you grew up and Christianity was around you. But at some point, your faith became something that wasn't just around you and it became something that was in you. When, when was that point for you? It, it wasn't just around me anymore. Now it's, now it's in me. If we took time, I could go around the room and you guys could tell me some stories, but we actually asked this question of those watching online before uh, service got started today, and I just want to read a couple of their answers. The question was, when, when did you feel like your Christian faith was not something around you, but it was something in you, like, like when it really became you, your own? Dorla says, worship and hymns have always been a part of my life and very jo joyful. But when I plugged into serving and leading worship at the church I grew up in and spent more time with my Bible preparing for it, I connected more personally with Jesus as well. Carrie says, It became real to me when I decided on my own to attend church, join a young adult group, which was a big help, and hang out with my church family and get baptized. Uh, praise the Lord that we all have these experiences where faith wasn't just around us, but we accepted it as our own. And when you think of Jacob, right, he was this great man of God, right? His name gets changed to Israel. Ever heard of it? Like, he's kind of an important guy. But he didn't, he didn't really start that way. He, he started his life grasping at the heel. A deceiver. A struggler. And if you see this story, really, the, um, you know, we, we, can, we can talk about the story from last week. We can recap that. Um, Isaac was the son of, I'm sorry, Jacob was the son of Isaac. But not just the one son, he was a twin with Esau, and he was grabbing at Esau's heel, and they grew up fighting, for, fighting against each other, and Jacob stole Esau's birthright. And Esau got so mad, he said, I'm going to kill my brother. And, and that's where this story that we're going to read picks up in Genesis 28. He says, I, I, I'm going I'm to kill him. Not like, I'm going to kill you, man, but like, like brothers say they're going to kill each other. But like, I'm going to kill you. Like, kill you, kill you. Your life is at, is at risk. I'm going to kill you. And so Jacob's dad, Isaac, grabbed him and he said, Jacob, you got to get out of here. Esau's gone nuts, man. He's going to kill you. Go back to the place that I grew up. Go back. Head back to my hometown. Find yourself a wife there and just get out of town. Get out of here because your brother's going to kill you. And that's where this story picks up in Genesis 28. But, but I want to even back up just a little bit more to get the, the bigger story. Here's the bigger story. Abraham, this is Jacob's grandpa. Abraham heard a promise from God. God told Abraham, we call it the Abrahamic covenant. I will make, from you, I will make you into a great nation. And the whole world will be blessed because of the blessings I put into you and your family line. Abraham heard it from God. Abraham's son, Isaac, received that faith and that promise by way of his father. Abraham experienced it, and Isaac, 
Isaac witnessed it. He, he saw the things that God did with, with Abraham. And then Isaac had the third generation of Jacob, and Jacob struggled. He struggled. There's something about that third generation. This isn't the only place in the Bible where something happened to the third generation. It happens a few other places. Even to this day, a lot of grandparents are concerned for their grandkids. There's something about that third generation. Parents, we've got to step it up. We'll talk more about that in just a second. Abraham experienced it. Isaac witnessed it. Jacob only heard about it. But if God's going to fulfill his promise that he made to Abraham, Jacob has to be all in. Jacob has to be in on it. So in this story, we see the time when Jacob made his faith, not something that Abraham, Grandpa Abe had. It's not something Daddy Isaac had. This is something that Jacob had. His faith became not something around him, but became something personal. The promise of God became something personal for him. That's what happens in this story in Genesis chapter 28. If you're at Genesis chapter 28, you're ready for me to go, or if you're just watching the screen up top, say, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Genesis 28, verses 10 and 11. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Here's number one. Well, let me, let me, don't do, don't put, we'll put it up yet. So let's think about this story. Let's think about this story. Jacob is feeling abandoned, hunted. He's running for his life. He didn't have time to pack a pillow. He just had to get out of town because his brother Esau went nuts and was ready to kill him. So he's, he's got to run. So he's going. And, and, and he didn't reach the place that he was hoping to get to by sunfall. He didn't really have a plan. He, he just had to go to where his dad Isaac told him to go, back to his hometown. So he's just heading that direction. And when the sun set, well, I guess, I guess we better take a nap. We, you know, it's about time to sleep. And not having much around, he, he just picked up a rock and used that as a pillow. It's not very, I mean, can you imagine that? Talk about a kink in your neck, he says. And he had to, had to sleep on it. What a bummer. He's doing all the right stuff. He obeyed God. The blessings are supposed to come, right? When you, when you obey the, his father, you know, he, he obeyed. But he found out that even when you obey, sometimes you've got to put your head on a rock. See, here, here, here's what he learned. Here's number one. Obeying is surprisingly hard. See what I did there? <laughs> Obeying is surprisingly hard. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. Just, just how hard obeying is? Why? What? what? I, I made the decision to follow Jesus. Hallelujah, my life's going to be great now. It's going to be a lot easier than it used to be. Nah, that's not how it works. It's going to be less alone. You're going to be less lonely than you used to be. You'll be going through the hard times with a savior, and with a church family. But it's not going to get easier. 
necessarily. Or, or, or some people today got baptized. Hallelujah, I got baptized. It's going to be great. and I'm going to get all the blessings of God. But what about when something hard happens this week? Does that change the promises of God? Does that change the character of who God is? Or maybe, maybe you make the decision to start living generously and you start uh, giving to the Lord proportionate to your income, proportionate giving. If you start that and then have a financial difficulty, does that mean none of this works? See, obeying is surprisingly hard. Has anyone ever gotten bit in the rear after you did the right thing? It's surprisingly hard. And Jacob discovered that because he had to lay down and put his head on a rock and live with the hardship that he had. Even when you start a journey of obedience to Jesus, things can still be hard. Sometimes the very thing that you think is going to make it better being a Christian just adds more trouble to your life. If you, if you aren't hanging out with the right people, that could cause some friction. But take heart. You see, if you're experiencing trouble as a Christian or because you're a Christian, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. See, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Oh, Lord, I got trouble. Well, didn't you read what I said was going to happen? What we should do, our response when we have trouble, should be to take heart. That's what Jesus said. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So take heart and grab a hold of what God has. Don't be surprised when hardship comes at you. It's an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit into your mess. Your reaction was not commensurate for how good that was. I'm going to try it again. <laughs> Don't be surprised when hardship comes at you. It's an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit into your mess. There you go. Preach it, Pastor Adam. When, when, every time I get angry, something happens and my insides go... Somebody cuts me off in traffic. Somebody says something and it gets back to me. Or something happens. Somebody says something on my inside, I start to get anxious. Inside, I imagine a little flag going up. It's like a little flag. Okay, don't slap him. I need to invite Jesus in. It's a flag that reminds me, Holy Spirit, uh, I, I need some help. It's just a reminder to include God. He knows you're mad. It's no secret. You're not hiding anything from him. But do you want him to be involved personally with your life? Invite him. Invite him. Oh, God, I just got really mad, and I probably shouldn't have. All he did was drive like a, like a dummy. I shouldn't have gotten that mad. Holy Spirit, I need you in my heart. Come again, heal. Help me chill. Okay. So imagine what, what uh, we're going to go on. Imagine what Jacob was feeling. Running for his life. Fleeing from his crazy brother that's going to kill him. He's abandoned by a lot of the people that, that once loved him. He's, he's fleeing. He's scared. He's uh, alone being hunted, a victim. And he's in this spot. He needs a touch 
from God. And that's exactly what happened here in verse 12. Um, actually, I'm going to give you the point first. Number two, revelation renews the promise. Revelation renews the promise. This is what had to happen for his life, right? Because God gave the promise to Abraham. Isaac witnessed it. Jacob only heard about it. But he needs a revelation for this promise to become his own. Revelation renews the promise. Genesis chapter 28, verse 12 says, He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So here we are. Jacob had his eyes opened. And this was a place of revelation. God met him. Verse 13. And there above it, above the stairway, stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, and I will give you, Jacob, and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Sound familiar? That's what God told Abraham, almost verbatim. There's very little different. God's, here it is. The revelation is renewing the promise. I wonder if this would have had to happen if Abraham and Isaac had done a better dad job. I wonder. I mean, I, we, we know from the story last week that Isaac wasn't the perfect model of a father. The scripture is explicit that he liked Esau more than Isaac. How's Isaac going to feel from that? Or Jacob, how's he going to feel? Did I say the wrong? <laughs> Let me try that again. Isaac, the scripture is clear that Isaac liked Esau more than Jacob. Thank you. How's Jacob supposed to feel? It would be terrible to be the second favorite kid. Parents, we need to bring our kids up. They need to experience it. Not just witness it. Not just have heard about it. Because when you're in the third step, that third generation, the only way faith is going to pass any further is if you experience it yourself. Another word for experience could be, I don't know, encounter. I wonder if there was like an encounter night a church could do. Wouldn't that be cool if a church did an encounter night? Good idea, right? Let's, let's try it like next Sunday night at March 7th. We'll just try it. We'll be here at 6 p.m. We need to experience it ourselves and make it our own. Because the third generation's got to be the first. Every generation should move up and experience it for themselves. Parents, remember, raising a child up right in the Lord is 99% what you do and 1% what you say. Oh, I talked with him about that. Okay, that's 1%. You, you told them to whatever, to listen to pastor. You told them to give to the Lord. You told them to serve. You told them to read their Bible. You told them to pray. It's 99% what you do. That's the truth. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for showing me what to do. You did it. You did it. 
I don't think I'm, think I'm done reading the passage. Verse 15, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have done what I promised. Revelation renews the promise. God got very personal with Jacob. This promise is not just something for Grandpa Abe and Daddy Isaac. I have a promise for you. I have a promise for you. How, how interesting is it also? See, that promise that, that God gave Abraham, that was for Abraham and his descendants. God's not going to go back on his word. So the, the truth is, the fact of the matter is that this passage was already, like, like, like this promise that God gave Jacob, he already gave it to Jacob. It was already done because Jacob was a descendant of Abraham. He just hadn't been brought up into the experience it yourself stage. I just wonder, had Abraham played his cards just a little bit differently, I just wonder if dad could have changed that situation. I don't know. But nevertheless, it's, it's, it's truth. What we can learn from, from this, this is what happened. This is the story that, that happened that we have in the Bible. We know that God wants to get personal with us, Amen. with each of us. It's not just something that dad, dad experienced or grandpa experienced. God wants to get personal with each of our lives. To that end, I just have a question I want you to think about and answer on your own. We all have thoughts and concerns. Anybody have a thought? Have thoughts? Should be running about 100%. Good. No, no, okay. Take him to a doctor. We all have thoughts. What percent of your thoughts are regurgitation of the news and social media? What percent of your thoughts are regurgitation of just the intake of media? Whatever, I mean, that's a percent, okay. What percent of your thoughts are a regurgitation of the revelation of God that you've received? What are those numbers? If you could put a number on it, just, just think about that. And if you don't know what to do with that, come talk to me afterwards. Because I have a guess of the proportion of those numbers. might be out of balance. I just burped, excuse me. <laughs> if we want a personal relationship with Jesus, we have to get personal with Jesus. For us today, we can be in covenant with Jesus himself. In this story, we see Jacob and God create a covenant but we have a covenant with Jesus himself. And he's the one that never leaves us or forsakes us. But with spiritual eyes, we can, we can renew the promise. The promise for us is that Jesus never leaves or forsakes us. And with spiritual eyes, we can believe that. So if you need a renewal, go get it. We'll talk about that in just a second. Here's number three. Revelation leads to responsibility. Revelation leads to 
responsibility. So God did this awesome thing, showed, showed uh, Jacob a vision of a, of a staircase, and now he's going to get responsible for it. Genesis 28, verses 16 and 17. When Jacob awoke, awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He actually believed that this was the portal to the heavenly world, to the, to the spiritual world. This, there's something significant about this place. And I love it. It's one of my favorite phrases that's actually in the Bible. How awesome is this place? It wasn't like, how awesome, dude. It was like, how, how awesome, awe. What awe comes upon me when I think about this? Oh. And the Bible says he was afraid. He got serious at this point. He's encountering God himself in a real way. And Jacob got serious at this point. And this happened other places too when people encounter God. Adam and Eve were happy as a lark in the Garden of Eden. They had no idea they were naked because there, no, there was no such thing as sin. And then sin entered the world and they became aware and hid. They, oh, they had to get serious because they became aware. There was revelation and it led to their responsibility. Isaiah had a vision of, of, uh, of heaven in Isaiah chapter 6. And when Isaiah saw that he was in the heavenly realm, he said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And when Jacob realized that he was in the presence of God and he was sitting at a portal to heaven, he said, yikers. My, my paraphrase. Yikers. How awesome is this place? God was doing something here and I didn't even know it. And he realizes that God's been at him his whole life, God's been working in his life the whole time and he never saw it, never felt it, didn't know it. That's what he said. Surely the Lord's in this place and I wasn't aware. Hallelujah, the Lord is in this place and you don't even know it. The Lord is at your work and you don't even know it. The Lord's at your school and you don't even know it. He's working. He's working. The revelation of God led to his own personal responsibility. You see, when you experience a revelation of God, it's not just behavior modification. It's transformation. It's not that I know you're a Christian because, you know, you, you, you do some good things. A lot of really lost people do some good things. So I know you're a Christian because of your love. I know you're a Christian because who you are changes. You're transformed. It's like, like they have these little things for, for kids. I should have got one. But they look like little pills. They call them bath bean. It's a bath. It looks like a little bean. And when you look at it, it's like, what is that? You say, well, that's just a bean. That's just a dumb little, 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 little thing. But if I, were to, if I were to have one of those and put this in the water and shake it around a little bit, I'd pull out a dinosaur or a princess or a unicorn. It fundamentally changes. Really, it's just a sponge squished down with them. That's the secret. But that's transformation. We saw that just today. What a great example of baptism. People that publicly said, I'm burying the old. It's dead. I'm going to be raised to new life in Christ. And because of that, you, you live different. 
you are different. It's not just you do some different things. It's that you are different. Water doesn't make you different. Your faith in Jesus makes you different. That's a sign of what happened on the inside of you. Another good example of this, you know, the Bible says you're, you're transformed, right? We need to be a new creation in Christ. What better example of that than, uh, than the process of, of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly? You see, when a, when a caterpillar starts as a caterpillar, they... You ever seen one move? <laughs> Takes them a while to get somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> because they're... Their transportation is limited by way of crawl and no other way. All they can do is crawl around and they look a certain way, they eat a certain thing, they behave a certain way. And then they go through a transformation process. Sometimes it requires pain, sometimes, uh, spiritually a lot of times that's forgiving. Boy, is that hard to forgive. Going back and revisit the things that hurt us in the past so we can choose to forgive it. See, inside the cocoon is a really slimy spot. It's dark and it's slimy, but it's necessary if that little, little guy's ever going to go from a, to something different. And once he comes out, he's fundamentally transformed. He used to only get around like this. Now crawling is hardly anything he does. Butterflies rarely crawl. They kind of walk sometimes. <laughs> they got new equipment. How'd that go? Like this. <laughs> they have new equipment. They eat different things than they used to. The, like the rules of life totally change after they go through the transformation process. Christian, that's you. The rules of life fundamentally change. You eat different. You think different. You behave different. Yeah, yeah, okay, just, just a reminder for some of you that were baptized today. You will, I'm just going to pick on Taylor. Taylor, you got baptized today. Way to go. Good job. Uh, the old man, for the rest of your life, will still pop up. You're going to have opportunities to sin. We all do. And... Every day, you're going to have opportunity to sin. But what you got to do is every day say to the old man, like, no, I killed you. I killed you. Remember February 28th, 2000, 2000 whatever, what year is it? 2021? <laughs> remember that? I didn't remember that. And you used to remind the devil, nah, I killed that. I killed that. And you, you live according to the new TJ. Yes. Sanctified. You're a transformed creature. And because we're transformed, we function differently. Have you become responsible for your own faith yet? In this story, Jacob became responsible for his own faith. Have you become responsible for yours? Now, when I ask that question, it kind of sounds like I'm talking to the, uh, to the, to the new Christian. You know, you accepted Jesus, all right, now you've got to be responsible for, for your faith now. But that's not who I'm really talking to. That, that counts. They count. I'm talking to Everybody. In particular, the longer you've been a Christian. Are you commensurately, is that the right word? Commensurately responsible according to the revelation of God you've received? Because, the, you see, the, 
the older you are, the, uh, more in particular, the, the more mature you are as a Christian, and the more revelation of God you receive, the more responsible you must be. Do you do what you ought? Are you as generous as you ought? Do you strive to hear God like you should? You got a Bible. You know how to pray. There's private worship. We need to step into that. Because that's the truth about who we are. We are children of God. I am who he says I am. And I need to walk in that and have connection and true relationship with my Heavenly Father. And you do too. You do too. Nobody else can do it for you. Here's number four. Revelation increases faith. Revelation increases faith. Genesis 28, uh, verses 18 through 22. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. It means uh, city of God, or pla- the, the place of God, the house of God. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, and I will give you a tenth. I love this story arc. Revelation increases faith. I love this. You see, Jacob was a deceiver, and he, he was a struggler, and he had trouble. Turn to the person next to you, type it in the chat, say trouble. We're talking about trouble. Boy, did he have trouble. He was fleeing from his life, rejected by his family. He's got the birthright, but his brother's going to kill him. And he has to lay his head on it. And the Bible says that he took the very stone that made him uncomfortable, the very stone that, he, that was his trouble, the hardship, that stone, not some stone, that stone, he picked it up, and he, he set it up. So it was no longer trouble, but it was a, it was a pillar. It was something to, it was like, like an altar. It was to remind him that this was the place he met with God. My trouble can remind me of what God brought me through. Amen. See, Romans 8.28 says, says, God causes things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Yeah, thank you, Lord. That's, that's the right response. But some, some of us say, but oh, it's so heavy, my troubles. Yeah, my, my troubles. I was, I was hurt when I was a kid. I was abused. Oh, my troubles. I was, the people talked to me, the way they talked to me at school. Oh, my troubles. The, the, the way my family talks to me, the way my, my spouse talks to me, oh, my troubles. You should hear what the people at work say when I'm not around. Oh, my troubles. Oh, my troubles. 
Church, would you stop sleeping on your trouble? It's hard to obey. Obedience is surprisingly hard. But instead, go get a revelation from God and set up your troubles as a pillar to the Lord. And we can say, God, I give it to you. My troubles, my troubles, my troubles. Instead of holding them and making them a a heavy weight on my back, you could say, my troubles, my troubles, my troubles. Pastor David's going to come and play a little bit here. You may come from a place of trouble or hardship, but I hope the revelation of God increases your faith. My troubles. Just like Jacob, when he woke, he said, the Lord was right here working and I never even saw it. If you're hanging on your troubles, guess what? The Lord's working. You're just not, you need to open your eyes. You got to open your spiritual eyes. That's right. Would you stand with me? Lord, we take our troubles and give them to you. My troubles. My troubles. My troubles. Lord, open our eyes to see what you're doing. We know you're working. We don't see it, but we know you're working. Make a way, Lord. Lord, I pray that you renew the promise that you are with us. Give a revelation to your people. That you're working. You're working. Pray you would encourage your church so that we may be re-energized to live for you this week. Lord, we know who you are. Lord, we trust you.